0: Tonight, I want to preach to you on the power of the cross. The power of the cross. The cross changed our very lives. It changed our very existence. In fact, it changed the world that we know. When you, when you read the Bible, the, the Old Testament is looking towards the cross. And the New Testament is looking back from the cross. It's, it's, everything was changed in the moment that the cross happened. In fact, we see the time itself is, is split up into two. To B.C. before the cross. And A.D. after the cross. The cross has changed our lives. It's changed our very existence. And Paul, he, he spoke upon the, about the cross in 1 Corinthians 1.18. He said, for the message of the cross, it's foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. There is power in the cross. What is the power? The power is the power of God. It's in the cross. Even though the cross, really, when you think about it, it's an instrument of torture and death. But for us, the cross is the most beautiful, signifying what Jesus did for us upon the cross. The cross, is, it's beautiful because of what Jesus accomplished for us. What he accomplished for us on the cross. Jesus became sin so that we could be made righteous. Jesus was punished so that we could receive mercy. He died so that we could have life. Jesus was condemned so that we could no longer experience condemnation. Jesus submitted to death to deliver us from death's power. No longer death has its grip on me. Jesus carried our grief. So that we could have unspeakable joy. Jesus' body was torn so that we could be made healed and whole. Jesus was humiliated so that we may be exalted. Jesus was forsaken by the Father so that we could have full access to the Father. The power of the cross is, is the most powerful thing in our lives. Because it not only changes our lives, it changes our existence. We're no longer the same. It's no longer Sean Booth and who I was. Now I am a new creation. My identity is no longer found in my past. It's no longer found in my sin or my shame. It's found in Jesus Christ. The cross of Jesus Christ. And on the cross, Jesus spoke out twice. The first is, he let out a cry in Mark chapter 15, verse 34. He says, at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama Sabakani. Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The earth grew dark and the land began to tremble as the Son of God hung upon the cross. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that he became sin for us. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We see in this moment, for the very first time in Scripture, Jesus refers to his Father as God. Because for the very first time in existence, Jesus and his Father are separated. They have become separated by sin because Jesus has become sin. And in this moment that he's on the cross, he has become the most detestable, offensive, horrible, wicked, vicious, obnoxious person that. Anyone could ever be because he became sin for us. And in this moment, he was separated from the Father. And he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in this moment, we see that Jesus becomes the substitutionary lamb for our sins. His sacrifice becomes the substitution so that we would not have to be sacrificed. And the power of the cross is this. The power of the cross is that once we accept the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we receive eternal life. You see, it's through his sacrifice that we are saved. But if we don't, it says that we pay the price ourselves. The second statement that Jesus made on the cross, we read in John 19 28, it says, Later, knowing that All was now completed. And so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked the sponge in it, put the sponge in a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. and With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. In this moment where Jesus had been separated from the Father, where he became sin itself, now he says that it's, it's completed. It's, it is finished. There is no more separation. There is no more sacrifice. You see, the death of Jesus satisfied the justice of God. The death of Jesus, he he paid for our sin. He was given in our place and now there is no more separation and these words it is finished that it is done the sacrificial act we need to understand the importance of it we need to understand two aspects of God. Firstly is the holiness of God. Jesus hates sin. In fact Jesus did, or sorry God hates sin. So much so that he determines that the penalty of sin is death. He detests sin. He he can't be around sin. And he says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We see that we're all sinners. There is no greater or lower sin. There is no greater or lower sinner. In fact, Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. That is what God has determined because of the holiness of God. God is holy. He he cannot be around sin. Romans 6.23 continues, But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, not only do we have the holiness of God, we have got the love of God. God determined that the penalty is death. But then he sends the payment of our penalty. He, he determined that the penalty of sin is death and yet he sent his one and only son as John 3:16 says that he may become the price of our ransom, that he may become the payment of our penalty, that he may satisfy the justice of God. and because of this whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Because of the sacrifice and death of Jesus, he declares that it is finished. And once we place our faith in Jesus Christ, once we give him our lives, it is as if we never sinned. We are saved. We enter into eternal life. You see, what Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross is worth celebrating. It is worth being excited about because it has not just changed the very existence of time, but it can change our lives. I want to share with you for a few moments before we get ready to have communion and take an opportunity, whether as individuals or with our spouses or with families together. But I want to share with you what Jesus has accomplished for you on the cross. Here's the first thing. Because of the power of the cross, Satan has been defeated. Satan has been defeated. Right at the beginning of the book, Genesis chapter 1. We only get to chapter 3 and man and woman has already messed up the world. Paradise. The greatest thing. We've already messed it up. And what we see is happens in this, this story is we see what, what sets out in the plan of salvation. As God says to Adam and Eve and the serpent, he says, The seed of the woman who is Jesus, who is to come, will crush the head of the enemy. And what we see... As Jesus is crucified on the cross, it's through the cross that Satan's head is crushed. It's through the cross that he is defeated. Colossians 2.15 says, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. The enemy has been conquered, and the cross has crushed his head. Satan is a defeated foe. He's defeated now and forever. As Peter describes him in 1 Peter 5.18, he says that he is like a lion. But the true lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah has come to defeat him, to crush him, that he is gone. that it is finished. But here's, here's the truth and the celebration is this, is that now we receive the protection of Jesus over the enemy. The power of the cross was not just for the forgiveness of our sins, but it's the protection of every single day. Revelation 12 verse 11 says they overcame him. This is speaking about the church. Me and you. By the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. We read in scripture that it says that in Jesus' name demons tremble. In Jesus' name, the enemy is vanquished. That in Jesus' name, as we declare Jesus over our lives, our situation, our families, our homes, our marriages, that in Jesus' name, fear will not have a hold over us. Here's the second thing the power of the cross accomplished for us is that death has been defeated. Hebrews 2.14, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. We see it, the, the fall in Genesis 3. The Satan takes power and dominion over the earth. He's the power of sin, sickness, disease, and death as well of the control over his own kingdom and the powers and principalities. But through Christ's death, He disarms the devil. Through Christ's death, he declares that death is defeated. Death no longer has a hold over me. We see that he turns the moment where Satan thought would be the greatest defeat, Jesus turns it into the greatest victory. What should have been the day where he thought that Jesus is done, he is finished, Jesus turns around and says, no, now... I am victorious over you, and death is defeated, as one Corinthians fifteen verse fifty four says. Death has been swatted up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? This now means that because death is being defeated through Jesus, we have everlasting life. Because of the power of the cross, that Satan has been defeated, death has been defeated, and we receive the salvation. Not by good works or by good merit, but by Jesus Christ alone. Because of the cross, we are adopted into the kingdom of heaven. Because of the cross, here's the third important point. We can now live by grace. We live by the grace of God. It is only for the grace of God that I am alive. It's only for the grace of God that I have what he's given me. It's only for the grace of God. As 1 John 1, 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You see, in this moment of the cross, we no longer live under legalism. We no longer live under man's works. We no longer have to live under the sacrifice of what we need to give and we need to attest under and the man's rules and regulations, but we've been set free by the blood of the Lamb, that we now are saved by His grace, by grace alone, by faith alone, through Christ alone, once for all, that we have His grace for now in the moment our sins are being forgiven. As one writer notes, the grace of God has no limits. It is an ocean whose depths have never been measured. Because of the power of the cross, we can now live in peace. A peace that surpasses all understanding. Philippians 4:7. The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Paul says in Colossians 1.19, For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. You see, peace is the product of a life of repentance. Peace is what we receive. We have the grace of God, but we've also got the peace of God. It is only for the grace of God that I'm alive, but it's because of the peace of God that I can live. It's the peace of God that gives me, that surpasses all understanding. How could you be peaceful in the storm because I've got Jesus with me in the storm? Because of the power of the cross, we can receive healing, physical healing, mental healing, emotional healing. Spiritual healing, as Isaiah 53, 5 says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him, and by His wounds, we are healed. The same Jesus who walked the earth, the same Jesus who cleansed the leper, who healed the sick, who raised the dead, who made the blind to see, is the same Jesus that is alive right now in this moment. It's the same Jesus that we serve, the same Jesus that we worship, the same Jesus that we celebrate today. There is healing in the name of Jesus. It's by his wounds that we are healed. What do you need healing for today? Maybe you as a Christian have walked with him all the days of your life and you've experienced his grace, you've experienced his peace, but are you believing for healing? Hebrews 13, 8 says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What we read in the Gospels where Jesus healed, he can heal you today. Because of the power of the cross, there is no more shame. No more shame. Isaiah 1, says, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Romans 8.1 says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And here's what we need to understand. Why there is no more shame? Because Jesus Christ became shame for us. You know, for many of us, the picture of Jesus has been misconstrued because particularly of the painters in the days of the Renaissance as they drew this pristine figure upon the cross with l'oreal hair and six-pack abs, eight-pack abs probably. And this, this picture that was beautiful, and was a moment, and those of us who grew up in the Catholic faith or the faith of the old traditional Church of Ireland, we walk in and we see this picture of Jesus that was not the truth of what happened. Jesus hanging on the cross was the most shameful, detestable, embarrassing moment. See, the Roman soldiers, they would have mocked him, ridiculed him, kicked him, spat on him, beat him. He lay naked on the cross, nailed not just by his hands, but by his feet. He became shame for us. He became shame so that we would no longer live under shame. Maybe you need to be reminded of that tonight. If you're experiencing shame, you're not experiencing the power of the cross. But to bring that shame to the cross. To bring it to Jesus. To thank him for what he's done and say, help me to live not by shame but by your grace. Because of the power of the cross, he took our shame upon himself. There is no more condemnation. And I know every single moment I'm reminded by the enemy and by myself of the shame, of the guilt, of the sin, of what I've done. But in this moment, we need to take an opportunity, as Paul says, to take every thought captive and remind ourselves of what Jesus has done for us and remind the enemy of his future. He is defeated. It is done. It is finished. I am saved. I am a sinner, but by God's grace, I am saved. And though we sin, and though we are sinners, but but through repentance and a life of repentance, we receive His grace, His peace, and His forgiveness. As John 8, 36 says, If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. The power of the cross is that there is no more separation. Matthew 27, 50 says, when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. You see, the curtain of the temple represented the separation between God and his people what I talked about, the holiness of God and the love of God. And religion and tradition and legalism was that you would have to purify yourself before you could ever come into the presence of God. We, in our traditional faith, and it seeped into the modern 21st century faith, is that we have to go through an intermediary, whether a priest or a pastor, Or we have to do certain things or become a certain person in order to come into the presence of God. And when Jesus, he gave up his spirit, the the curtain of the temple was torn in two and it clears that there is no more separation. There is no more need for man or woman to purify themselves but they have been purified through the shedding of the blood of Jesus. Now we can come into the presence of God, we can come into His holy temple, not just within a sanctuary or a church, but within our bedrooms, within our our own house and our own space. We can enter into the presence of God. We can receive direct access to God. John 14, 12, verse 14, Jesus tells us, when we call upon the Father, exactly how He answers us, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it the words of Jesus, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. Why don't you bow your head for a moment? With that in mind, no more separation between you and God. You can start again We are purified in the presence of God. We do not need to be purified in order to enter into the presence of God. You've got direct access to God in this moment. What do you need to ask Him? What do you need to ask for? What do you need to bring to Him? The wrongdoing, the sin, the shame the guilt that every single one of us carry with us. The burden, the brokenness, the worry, stress, the anxiety, the what ifs, wondering, is this my life, is this the way it is, and all the needs that we have. I don't know what it is, but we convince ourselves Almost that God is unconcerned because of our need. And yet Jesus says, whatever you ask in my name, I will give you. Right now in this moment with your head bowed and eyes closed, what are you going to ask him in your heart right now? Ask him for forgiveness. For provision. For blessing. For favor. We all know the story of Aladdin. Rub the jar and you'll get what you want. Wouldn't that be great? But it's not about the riches of the world that we would be given by God. It's the needs of our heart. Whatever you ask in my name, I will give to you. Before we enter into this time of communion, I want to encourage you in this moment. Will you give Jesus your life? Will you give him your heart? You know, we're going to have communion and it's it's remembering and responding to what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. When John 3:16 says, this is how we know what love is that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Why? Why would he do this? Why would it have to happen this way? Why would he choose to be crucified for us? The answer is because of the love of God. Because he's overwhelmed by love for us. He's consumed with love. For his children, for his son and his daughter, as 1 John 4, 9 says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Rather than allowing us to suffer in our sin, he sent his one and only son to be our sacrifice. Jesus, right now, in this moment, we thank you for your sacrifice. Lord, we give our life to you, our heart to you, our mind to you. We give our needs to you, believing that you will provide all our needs. That you are our need. In Jesus' name.